0: This morning, we're going to talk about aliens. Our text this morning is Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us. We pray that you will bring the riches of your word to us, and by the power of the Spirit, enable us to do your word. Help us to hear it, and help it to be preached accurately, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you drive toward Las Vegas, out in the desert in Baker, California... You can buy some alien fresh jerky. What does alien fresh jerky even mean? It means beef jerky, jokingly made by aliens from another planet. Aliens. We have illegal aliens, and we have space aliens, but the word alien means distant, foreign, external. When it comes to salvation, the source of our salvation is outside of ourselves, distant, Foreign, external This morning in Romans chapter 4 We'll look at alien righteousness Alien righteousness Go ahead and open up your Bibles To Romans chapter 4 We're going to begin in verse 1 Romans chapter 4 beginning in verse 1 And there St. Paul says in verse 1 What then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather According to the flesh For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. And it says there, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham? Gained by Abraham. Now the word there, the Greek verb that's lying behind gained is eurisco. It literally means learned, discovered. So what was learned, discovered by the great patriarch of the Jews According to the flesh that is human effort. What did he gain? What did he learn? What did he discover about? human effort in regards to the work of salvation if Abraham was justified by works That would be a true spectacle if somehow he was able to gain favor with God by his raw works That would be a true spectacle, but not before God Verse three for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. This has nothing to do with obedience to the law. It has everything to do with faith. Have you ever thought about who Abraham is? You know, we look at him, and I think oftentimes Jews as well look at him, the father of their faith, and he sort of almost drops down out of the sky. as though he suddenly appeared in Canaan in the promised land. But who was Abraham? Abraham was a Mesopotamian. He lived on the southern region of what would become Babylonia. He lived in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. Ur of the Chaldeans. You may remember a long time later in the days of Daniel that the advisors to the Babylonian empire were the Chaldeans. They were the old school Babylonians. Who was Abraham? Abraham was ethnically a Mesopotamian old school Babylonian. Babylonian. He went from the far north to Haran on the border of modern Turkey. His father decided to leave for some reason, was moved by God, and they went up to Haran on the border of modern day Turkey, and there God spoke with him in Genesis chapter 12. And God told him some very specific things. He said, go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. And so he traveled To Canaan, Over 1,200 miles. Think about taking a 1,200-mile trip on an airplane. It's going to take you all the way on the other side of the country. Imagine driving that. It would take days in our automobiles, but he moved very slowly. He went on foot, for he was a shepherd. He had a great retinue by that time, perhaps hundreds of people and thousands of animals and little children, and he walked 1,200 miles to the land that God would show him. And he settled there. And 20 years later, this happened. We see here this quote. And Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. What's going on there? Let's access what's happening behind the scene. 20 years after Abraham's arrived in the land. 20 years after God's promise to make him a great nation and to bless him. We see in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. So he's Abram, he hasn't become Abraham. He's a great father but he hasn't become the great father of a multitude. He came to Abram in a vision, fear not Abram, I am your shield, your reward is very great. But Abram said, oh Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. 20 years after this promise was given, 20 years after Abram walked 1,200 miles to a land that he'd never seen before, to a land that he was supposed to plant himself in, a land where people who had come forth from his bloodline would be a great multitude, and it hasn't happened. His wife Sarah is barren. Where do we see barren women in the Scripture? That happens again and again, does it not? Miraculous births. We see that he's actually childless. He needs a son to carry on his name. He knows this. He knows that he needs to have a son by Sarah, a son of promise. But he's childless. And he complains to God, I believe righteously so. God likes us to wrestle with him. But he says to the Lord, I don't have a child. And the ear of my house is Eliezer of Damascus, a man from the retinue of my larger tribe, one who's not my son, One who's not really my relation except being a tribal member is the heir of my house. Lord, where's your promises? Verse 5 in Genesis chapter 15 says, And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. We think he took him out. And he said, Look at the stars. And we think ancient people are so foolish, so unaccustomed, to cosmology that they think the world is flat i believe abraham understood these things i think he knew that there were stars beyond the stars he could see with his eyes and that was the point that god was making god made numerous numberless stars vast multitudes of stars and he said to him on his complaint will the heir of my house be eliezer of damascus look to the heavens see the stars I'm going to make your descendants as numberless as these stars, and the implication is I'm going to give you a son, but it hasn't happened yet. Think of the faith of Abraham, going from his land to a far land, planting himself there, and God promises that he'll give him an heir and make him as numerous as the sands of the seashore, as numberless as the stars, and it hasn't happened yet, and here's the money quote that St. Paul picks up on in verse six. Of Genesis Genesis 15, and he believed the Lord. He believed Yahweh, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God when it hadn't happened yet. Verse 4, now the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Romans 4.4. When you work for someone, you get paid. You've agreed ahead of time that I'm going to do this work, and Here's what this is worth, and we've agreed that you're going to pay me when that work is finished. When you work for someone and get paid, it's what's owed. It's not a gift. If we didn't break any of the Ten Commandments, and we actually did them all well, if we worshipped God perfectly, if we honored our father and mother fully, if we never had an impure thought of lust, greed, or jealousy, and friends, God wants you to think deeply upon His law. For we break them all the time. And God isn't just saying that if you don't do these things, but he also wants you to dig deep and realize that we break them in our hearts. And when we do them, we do them so grudgingly. We're always breaking God's law. But if we could do it perfectly, then we could begin to make a case that God owes us our due. Verse 5. little secret here. Romans 4, 5 is my favorite verse in the entire Bible. 4, 5, And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Now look at this clear summation here set down in the middle of our pericope here in the beginning of Romans chapter 4, draws all things together. And what does Paul say here? He says to the one who does not work, to the one who's not striving to be justified, to be made right via the works of the law, to this one he says, but, and the word there believe is pistuanti. Pistuanti is a verb that's rendered here as a participle. It's a present Active participle. And maybe you're going, what the heck is a participle? We had to memorize that in seminary as little party zipple. That's how, that was the little mnemonic device. But this present active participle is doing this. This is how it would be rendered literally. Is believing in him. It's an ongoing action. Is believing in him. Is believing in him. But the one who is believing in him who justifies the ungodly, who justifies who? Kids. Who's justified? The ungodly. Not the worker of the law, but the ungodly. Not the one who's lifted himself up somehow to get favor with God, but the ungodly. The ungodly. His faith is counted, is reckoned as righteousness. Now, it's not faith for faith. It's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's faith in the finished work of Christ. His faith is counted, is reckoned as righteousness. Can I hear an amen to that? Verse 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Now when this is written here, by Saint Paul, and he's accessing the Psalms of David. This is a 1,000 years after David wrote down the things that Abraham had discovered centuries before that. It's a church in Rome. Actually, it's a collection of house churches. It's made up of Jews and Gentiles, and people are wondering, what do we do with the Gentiles now? Do they have to become good Jews? What is the nature of the faith now that Messiah has arrived? But this should have been nothing new or novel. It was a thousand years old by the time St. Paul arrives by the scene and has to remind the believers that David said this long before. And what does David say? He says, blessed are you. David says, blessed are you this morning, my brethren. Blessed are you whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered, whom the Lord does not count his sin This is the one whom God counts righteousness apart from works. And here they are in the Roman church. It all comes together. I don't know what David understood. I'm sure it was very fuzzy looking forward to the coming of Messiah. But here they sit in the Roman church rejoicing in the fact that the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, has come. The promises of the Old Testament have been fulfilled. And in Christ we have righteousness by faith. Let's tease this out a little bit because the implications are pretty astounding. And they should have been right there on the surface for anybody to see. Any Jew who's looking out at the Gentiles and wondering what to do with them and is thinking about themselves as being in Abraham, if they just thought about it for a minute, they would come to some astounding conclusions. Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness before circumcision. It was counted to him as righteousness Before the law had even been given on Mount Sinai, before the prefigured markers of the Jewish religion, and think about this for a minute, he's got people in his household here who are gonna go off and found other nations and they're circumcised too. He fathered the Arabs, the Edomites, the Assyrians, and the Bedouins, and there's more nations that sprouted out of Abraham before his grandson Jacob ever came along and fathered the 12 tribes. And before any of that happened, before the 12 tribes had ever arrived on the scene, it was said of Abraham before he was circumcised that his faith was counted as righteousness. And so it is for us. So it is for us. Abraham's faith was counted as righteousness when he was like us all, Jew and Gentile together. The second part of verse 11. The purpose was to make him. Think about this for a minute. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised. So that the righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised. But who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Paul's repeating the theme that he's been putting out since the beginning of the book of Romans saying that Jew and Gentile together by faith by faith are made righteous and incorporated into the body of Christ. God's purpose, we're told here, in making Abraham the father of faith was to make him a model of righteousness for all, for Jew and Gentile. We all are to walk in his footsteps. So what is this righteousness that is accounted to Abraham? It is an alien righteousness, a righteousness that is outside of us. We're to believe God, and God accounts our faith as righteousness, but specifically it's Jesus' righteousness, which we have because we're united to him. Jesus takes us, Jesus saves us, Jesus cleanses us and Jesus incorporates us into the body of Christ and he gives us his goodness he gives us his righteousness and he takes all of our filth and sin away thanks be to God he exchanges our unrighteousness for his total complete absolutely all the way to the cross and out the other side of death alien righteousness Jesus doesn't need us Jesus is outside of us, but Jesus came to clean up our huge cosmic mess, thanks be to God. Arriving in Multan, Pakistan at night was one of the most disorienting and alienating experiences of my life. Arriving groggy in Dubai, which is 11 hours ahead of us, I was treated to the strange spectacle of a Middle Eastern city filled with wealthy Chinese. Rolex wearing Arab sheiks and working-class Europeans on holiday. But then we transferred to the Central Asian terminal where things got even more distant and alien. Crowds of men wearing bare-shouldered robes, followed by their numerous wives, were returning from their pilgrimage in Saudi Arabia. Scowling Pakistani workers were sizing up the only two Westerners in the terminal and on their plane. And two hours later, We emerged in a steamy March night in Multan, Pakistan, with crowds of people waiting for loved ones just outside the terminal. The eerie sound of the Islamic call to prayer echoed from a hundred minarets. It was a foreign, distant, and alien land. When it comes to the righteousness of God, which comes to us from Christ, it is as foreign and distant as an alien land The distance between us, between heaven and earth. Because we are unholy sinners, and God is absolute holiness. But in an act of unbelievable generosity and grace, he sent his only beloved son for us. And so it must be. This morning in Romans chapter 4, we've seen alien righteousness. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. We thank you for the alien righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for sending him for us. And we thank you for giving us the gift of grace. We pray that we would not take advantage of this in the wrong way, but that we would use it, and we would rejoice in it, and we would spread the faith even this week. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.